Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day low actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumbacasino.com Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion for another one of our midweek episodes. Before introducing today's guest, I'm after a couple of favours from you. Firstly, it would be a great help if you could rate and review the show on the podcast outlets to drive up more interest in the show. Hopefully it will be favourable. Also, at the beginning of April, ahead of the Grand National, Richard Pittman is back to answer your questions about the famous race. Drop me a line by direct messaging me via Facebook or Twitter at the Pad and Pav. I look forward to hearing from you all around the globe. Now for today's podcast, we are back in the pavilion with Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club's young wicketkeeper Tom Moores. Tom is fresh from playing franchise cricket this winter for the Jaffna Stallions and the Bangla Tigers. In today's podcast, Tom talks about making his first-class debut for Lancashire yes, the Red Rose, winning the Vitality Blast for Knots, taking over the gloves from Chris Reed at Trent Bridge and the prospect of playing in this year's 100 competition. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send in those questions. Enjoy today's podcast. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the Paddock and the Pavilion. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's very good to have you on the show. You're fresh from training at Trent Bridge today. How's it going? Yeah, really good, actually. Just building up, obviously, to the season, which isn't too far. We've got first practice game in three weeks, I think. So it's come around pretty quickly. And yeah, it's just nice. We're in the outdoor tent, working hard in there. It's great practice. You know, it's very, you know, it's England conditions. The, the What the ball does, actually, you know, I think we worked out today that it was pretty overcast today and pretty cold and damp. And the ball was, you know, was doing quite a lot in there. So Great practice, great facility to work on. Because and then when it's obviously sunny as well, last week it was there were nice wickets to bat on. So uh, it's providing you know all sorts of practice, which is great for the lads. And um, yeah, everyone's just working really hard, getting ready for that first 
first practice game and hopefully a big year ahead, you know, a big season coming up. So even in a tent, uh, when it's overcast outside, there's, there is some reaction to the ball? We think so, yeah. We're, we're oh. putting it down to that. We, you know, the wickets are fairly new. We haven't, you know, we've been in the tent now for a week, so the wickets aren't exact. And there's a lot of pitches prepared in there. But today, you know, last week we had great weather and it was really sunny. And you know, the wickets there was enough there. There's a bit in there for the bowlers, but there were fairly nice wickets to to bat on. And I'd say they were fairly flat and nice pitches for batters. But today, uh, a bit more overcast, a bit more gloomy, dark. You'd have probably gone off in a game for bad light, and then the ball zipped around a bit more and swung and moved off the off the seam. So it was great practice. So we're putting it down to the overcast conditions. Definitely played a factor, but you know that's that's the game we play, especially in England. You know we see that happen all the time in England. You you bat in the morning session and it's really sunny, and you know the batters, are, you know the batting side are putting on a great score, and they might be. You know, there might be 80 for one or, or whatever and you get into the afternoon session and the clouds roll in and all of a sudden you, we see it happen so fast in county cricket especially in England it, you know it, you lose three or four quick wickets really quickly because the ball starts moving and the conditions play a lot of uh, you know havoc on the ball and it all it starts to open up very quickly so it's great practice actually for what you get in the season well, That's interesting now you've just come back from playing in the winter in Sri Lanka and Dubai. What's it like sleeping back in your own bed at home? Yeah, it's really nice. It's uh, obviously, you know, going there is great and, and overseas tours and different teams and different players and getting involved in, in that is, is brilliant. But yeah, you know, obviously there's nothing like your own bed and, and being at home and home comforts and stuff like that. So yeah, I love both of the trips, you know, learned a huge amount and it was another great experience to go and play some franchise cricket overseas. But yeah, ready to ready to kick on now for knots and, and work hard and what we've got a big or what will be a big start to our Red Bull season. And is the um living in a bubble, is it challenging? And what do you what sort of things are you doing when you're not playing? Yeah, it can be challenging. I'm you know, I think, you know, a lot of lads but I personally played a lot of Call of Duty in my half time because there's not a lot, not a lot else to do. So, uh, video games, you know, I think obviously we all know Call of Duty is a pretty popular game at the moment amongst a lot of uh, a lot of people. So I think, yeah, that was my go-to thing personally. I tried to get some some sort of academic, you know, a bit of reading, a bit of research on on some certain things, and read a few books and and you know try and do some useful things because actually it's you know, that sort of time, you know, you don't normally get that that time presented to you quite as easy as it is at the moment. So we can take it for granted. So I try to, amongst obviously playing a, a lot of Call of Duty, I try to find a bit of time to do something sensible and, and do some research and reading up and listen to some podcasts and stuff that can, you know, benefit and help you learn. So yeah, I try to find that, that time to do that. But yeah, pretty much finding, especially in the quarantine periods at the start of the, of the tournament, it can be, can be pretty boring. And can do you think that England players in particular, or any of the people like yourself doing franchise tours on a regular basis, you can get bubble overload and people really need to be looked after? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, I think we've seen it with some people having to go home and have a bit of a break from it. I think it can get quite, you know, pressurised environment. You know, if you haven't got them distractions of if you're not playing necessarily in teams and you're not always you know, that's that's quite a nice break. You know, the game could actually come at a good time um, and it's a, it's a relief to be 
out and about and playing and competing. So I think, you know, for the lads who might be on, you know, tours or overseas and, and not necessarily playing, it can it can get pretty tough. I I can see why they would need uh, to manage their time wisely because you don't have that escape necessarily. Um, you obviously you're pretty much playing from from the training ground or the playing playing the game straight back to your hotel and that's you in your hotel room tend to be on floors. So obviously your team's on a certain floor, uh, but even still, you know, you're pretty much restricted to your room or maybe a walk down the corridor or depending on how strict the, the bubble is or the testing facilities they've got, you know, you might be allowed into your mate's, mate's room and stuff like that. But, you know, it is, it is very strict and they have to be careful and we obviously know why. And as players, we respect that and you have to respect the rules and do it right. And we, we're really thankful that we can just be playing cricket in such a tough time. Um, so that's ultimately, you know, the main name is everybody's safety and the public safety. But yeah, it can be uh, it can be a challenging period at times. I can see why that is okay. Yeah, not not very exciting, but obviously there's all us sitting at home who are very fortunate then to be able to watch you play cricket, which is which is great from our point of view. But um, going back yeah. to your own career, did did you originally start playing cricket because of your dad? I don't think so. I, I, I get well. I guess you could say you know yeah. I, I was brought up around the game, so I think it's a natural. Uh, it, you know, it's all I've known since since I was you know since I can remember. Obviously, dad played the game, and dad's you know coached the game, and is still heavily involved in that. So I think you know, growing up, I was always around a cricket bat, a ball, around cricket players, ex-professionals, or you know, current coaches now. Always listening into chats. So I think it just became part of me as a, as a as a young lad of something I loved doing, you know, every chance I could to get in the garden and, and play one-on-one bounce or, you know, bat in the garden and you made the, the side wall was out. If you hit it on the fall and the bat wall was six or whatever rules you can make up, you know, I think that just became part of my, my childhood growing up and loved used to, you know, going down to Hove and watching Sussex play. Obviously, Dad was coached down there. And then as, you know, I got older and he, he grew as well through his career and, um, you know, going overseas with England and, and watching them play on tours and stuff. It was it was just part of what my childhood, I think, and something I always wanted to do and always wanted to be and just loved the game, loved every minute of it. But was the reason you became a wicketkeeper because your dad was? It wasn't actually. I started off as a, as a quick bowler, uh, a seamer. And then I didn't, you know, I probably made the wise choice. I didn't grow to be very tall. So, you know, you obviously look at these fast bowlers now, they're all six foot three, four and, and tall, bar a few. So I think that was a pretty, you know, wise choice. But I think it was, um, it probably, again, it was one of the natural progressions uh, from quite a, you know, sporting family. Mum was a gymnast and, you know, dad dad was a wicketkeeper and played the game. So I used to, you know, we had a trampoline in the back garden. I used to love being really active, jumping on the trampoline and doing somersaults and flips and, climbing up trees and flipping out of trees and your classic sort of young lad who just can't sit still really so I think you know and then I developed a game with with dad just by messing around where he I would be on the trampoline and he would throw a ball and try and almost make like make a goal but I had to catch the tennis ball and dive around on the trampoline it was great fun and I'd do it for hours I think that was probably the start of you know where I, my love for catching I love diving around I love being in the game being active and I think then it would have been a you know, a, an age group game or a young, a young game or a club game where the opportunity arose, you know, came up where I could take the gloves and I did. 
and you know again I loved it I think you know you're always in the game you can impact the game you have to as a keeper you have to you know you drive the fielding team you have to give energy um, every ball is a different event and you just you know you know games the same you don't know what you're going to get you can't prepare for anything you've just got to it's based on pure reactions and um, ability to you know, stay relaxed and have good technique and stuff like that so so yeah, I think that's probably where it came from. Probably came from the trampoline when I was a kid taking one-handed catches with Dad in the garden. That oh, was a good start. Anyway, you started playing for Not Second Eleven in 2014. You were their Young Player of the Year in 2015, and then you made your first-class debut for Lancashire in 2016 when you were on loan. How did how did that come about? Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, Again, you know, it was a great opportunity for me. I was doing well in the second team at the time. I think I had a you know a great week in the second team and and scored a few hundreds. And you know, I was I was sort of ready to make that jump up. But at the time, we obviously had Chris Reed, who's a legend of the game, and you know, legends at the club who was still playing. So the you know the opportunity for me to play at Knotts wasn't necessarily there at that moment. Although it was going to be something that you know I could foresee in the future and hopefully. You know, take over Reedy and and looked at him as a bit of a mentor. I think at that specific moment, I was doing well in the second team, and luckily, Lang, well, luckily and unluckily, he's a good mate of mine now. But Alex Davies, you know, had an injury at the time, uh, which presented an opportunity for myself as a young keeper to to go there. They contacted and they gave me that opportunity, and obviously, you know, it was a real shame for Alex. But that time, it was a great opportunity for me to you know have a taster, if you like, of of first-class cricket, and went there, and everyone made me feel really welcome. Alex was great himself, um, you know, making himself available, and was really, you know, really great to, you know, give me some tips on different bowlers and just try and make me feel relaxed. And then went in there because it was a bit of a different experience. Obviously, making your debut for a, a club that's not your home club, um, although there was, you know, there's family connections at, at Lang, so it wasn't completely foreign to me. It was obviously a different experience, but. To be able to go there as a as a young a young aspiring professional and you know keep to the likes of Jimmy Anderson, get what it feels like to keep to him and other great bowlers, Graham and people, you know people who are you know we were playing against Durham I think at the time and Ben Stokes was playing, Graham Onions was playing, um, so some great players were in the, in that game and to get a feel for that in my first game was obviously a great experience. Um, you got six catches sort of, in your first game. Yeah, exactly, which was lovely, which was great because I sort of came into it and it was all action from the word go. And, you know, that that was uh, obviously I was really nervous going into that, looking at the bowling attack and you've got Jimmy Anderson in there and you're thinking you've never kept to anyone like him before. Although I had, I'd kept to Brody at Knotts. You, you're still thinking you haven't kept, you, you know, who Jim, you know, watch Jimmy on TV, you watch him take all these wickets and you almost know as well that, he's going to create a chance. So, you know, mm, at yeah. some stage, he's going to find the edge of the bat and at some stage, you're going to have to do something. So that's, that's you know, we know that's a given with him. So I think it was just a case of being ready every ball. And actually, it was one of those days and moments I just loved every minute of it and couldn't get enough of it. And it was a great experience of, uh, you know, for me to take back to knots and, you know, kick on when I got the chance at knots. And then the same season when you went back to Notts, you made your first-class debut for Notts against Yorkshire at Scarborough, but you were playing as a, as a batsman. Yeah, so I think, you know, 
obviously I'd done well um, in a few, like I said, second team games. I'd gone to Lanks and I'd done okay there as well. I'd, you know, proven to be doing quite well with the gloves and maybe got a couple of starts and stuff like that. And then I think a couple of batters, for whatever reason, weren't available for not. So I was I was sort of the next cab off the rank and got the nod from Notts, which is obviously a great moment. And again, you know, that was another big move for me. I think I was debuting for Notts and I was batting at three. So it's quite a high position for myself at the time. At Scarborough, which is renowned to Durban, you know, against Tim Bresnan, side bottom, obviously a left-hand bowler, very good to left-handers. So, you know, going out to bat against them and, and Yorkshire at the time was a great challenge for me to see where my game was at. I'd scored runs in second-team cricket and I'd done all right there, but to really sort of get a measure and batting at, you know, batting at three for a Division One county against Yorkshire um, was a great challenge for me, especially early on in my career. So I found that, yeah, that was a, you know, real learning curve for me. I, you know, I learned a lot and I had that quite sort of early on in, in the piece. It wasn't sort of a gradual build into first-class cricket. It was pretty much, as a keeper, I was straight in keeping to Jimmy Anderson. As a batter, I was straight in at number three facing Ryan Sidebottom. So I think that's, you know, it's about as it's about as good as you can get it, really. So I think I was really lucky to have that. And yeah, it set me up in, in good stead moving forward for any other sort of challenges the game was going to present. And then the following season, you're then established in the T20 side and the Knots Outlaws won the Vitality Blast. That must have been special for a 21-year-old. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you know, it went, you know, even better the following year. Uh, they decided, well, really decided he was going to retire from the, the T20 and the, the white ball and, you know, give me the opportunity and he was going to stay around and almost be like a mentor and coach me through that tournament. Uh, so again, another real, you know, great mover for me as a young young player to win my first trophy at, you know, 21 and learn from, from Reedy at the time, who was brilliant and do a great, you know, bulk of work with him. Um, you know, it was great because he was almost like a, a a great sounding board for me. Somebody who knew the bowlers in that team and kept to Samit Patel, Jake Ball, Luke Fletcher, Harry Gurney, who kept to them for years. And I think, you know, for me going in there as a, you know, quite fresh-faced young guy who wanted to do well, he was a great, you know, gave me some real good tips on, on what to look out for, what normally happens and stuff like that and worked really hard with him and sort of improve my keeping a lot in that period. And yeah, you know, it was a great to go on and win that, win that trophy and, and get a feel for that and get, you know, sort of often running in the T20 and the T20 stuff was a brilliant moment and something again that was lucky enough to do it again. But yeah, it's obviously a great feeling and hopefully many more to come. Well, not so got a great record in the T20, but then in 2018, Chris has now retired and you're established in all three formats at Notts. And you had an exceptionally good season. You got over 600 runs. You scored your first first-class century. You must have felt really established in the side then. Yeah, like I said, everything was just going from strength to strength, really. I, I was just finding, I was loving playing first-class cricket, playing T20 cricket, playing uh, white ball cricket. And I just felt really free and, you know, at ease and playing my natural game and, you know, really felt like it was a nice feeling for me because especially taking over from someone like Chris, who's, you know, such big boots to fill in that first year, being able to sort of go unnoticed, if you like, and 
and contribute to some some wins and provide with glove and you know gloves and bat was a you know a really good thing for me and and probably for the club as well. So um, you know I knew I was never you're never going to fill those shoes and I was never you know going to be a Chris Reed that that wasn't going to happen and I didn't sort of put that expectation on myself either. Although it's very easy to you know I was set out my my goal and still have to be Tom Moore's and play my own way and make my own stamp on the game and, and, you know, do as well as I can. So I think that was really important to me. But obviously, naturally, you know, they have lost a big member of their squad. They have lost a captain and, you know, Chris Reid, a legend of the game. And, you know, he's in the walls of Nottingham. You know, he is part of that club and, you know, he's he was the centre of it. So I think that was a huge loss to the club. And I tried not to bear the weight of that and think that I've got to step up and instantly be Chris Reed because obviously that was never gonna, never gonna happen. So that was a great year, you know, to get Player of the Year that year, in what was quite an important year for me. You know, it was a real nice feeling, and yeah, it was just a great confidence booster going into what was, you know, my first full year, I guess, of of professional cricket in all three formats, taking over the gloves at Knots and being the number one, you know, keeper. Uh, in in all three formats was a was a really nice year, and then last year, which was a, obviously a difficult season for everyone, Knotts won the uh, Vitality Blast again in on a sunny evening in October. Uh, what makes Knotts such a good T Twenty outfit? Yeah, I think obviously we've just got all bases covered. I think you know we've got very you know high ceiling as a squad. You look at the sort of caliber of player that's in the squad. There's a lot of experience in there. There's a lot of, you know, very good players who have played a, you know, the top level of cricket all around the world. Um, so we're very lucky in who we've got in there. And I think that's, we've got very consistent performers. And I think that's what makes us so dangerous is we've got a lot of bases covered and a lot of people who can do the same role and a lot of people who can do different roles. So I think there's not much that you can throw at us as a team and we can't, you know, we haven't got somebody to, to counteract it. I think, you know, like last year we had Imad Wazim batting at nine, which, you know, he bats at six for Pakistan. So, mm. um, it, you know, it shows the strength and depth of our batting in that in that sense that you can have an international number six, you know, middle, an all-rounder who's batting at nine for a domestic team just shows the calibre of players, obviously, in the likes of Ducky, uh, Ben Duckett, Clarkie, Alex Hales, Dan Christian, Samit Patel, Steve Mullaney, people, you know, people like that, that add real strength and um, strength to the team. And, and like you said, and that's not even touching on the bowling. Um, I, I was going to say that your, your your skipper is especially good at T20 as well. He won the big bash with the Sydney Sixers as well, didn't he? This is Dan Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's got 90, 20 trophies or something like that under his belt. So he's he's got a fairly steady record. But yeah, so I mean... You know, we've obviously, and we, you know, we've won it last year without Harry Gurney as well. He was a massive, you know, asset to our side. And we've seen him around the world, played IPL, played for England, played the big bash and won it. So, you know, hopefully lucky enough to have him back this year. He'll only add strength to our squad. But yeah, I just think we have a lot of weapons and a lot of very good players that can step up at different times and deliver under pressure, which is nice. Keeping on the franchise uh, theme, we mentioned earlier that you've been playing for the Jaffna Stallions and the Bangla Tigers in Dubai. One of the people you worked with in um, in Sri Lanka 
is Harry Verheesen, who's a, a mutual friend of, of both of us. Um, what was it like working with Harry at the Jaffna Stallions? Yeah, Harry was great. Um, you know, he uh, he was the glue for the for the Jaffna Stallions. I think without him, you know, it would have been a lot harder. But he was under under a lot of pressure to to deliver in a tough time. And I think you know Harry did a great job in in getting the mix of organisation and you know organising all the players and also um, you know being there for the for the players personally as well. I think even if it's just a chat, just to you know, in, in, in pretty tough times, if, if Harry could make your day better and put a smile on your face, he would do so. So, um, yeah, you know, I've a lot of respect for Harry. He was great. He made me laugh many a times. And, yeah, you know, he was uh, he was great fun to work with. Well, you won the trophy there in the Lanka Premier League. And in Dubai, you were playing in the T10 competition. Now, that is something else. Nicholas Poran, I just wrote down here, got 89 in 26 balls. Chris Gale got 84 in 22 balls. And then some guy called Tom Moores, he got a 39 off 21 balls and a 38 off 12 balls. Yeah, it's obviously, you know, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty chaotic format, the T10 stuff. It's, uh, you know, it's all fast paced. It's a bit of a highlights package. It's either four, six or a wicket. Um, so, yeah, it's great to fun great fun to play and I think you know you look at the lights of the way Nicholas Poran's playing at the moment I mean we've seen Chris Gale do it for numerous years now and different teams around the world and time and time again you know if you catch him on a on a good day he's he can win win the game within a few overs he's just so destructive but I think Poran's really exciting to watch coming through obviously someone who's really taken the T20 stage you know wide ball cricket by storm and it's just doing power hitting and, and delivering like that so consistently and winning games for for so many teams I think um, it wasn't nice necessarily nice to be on the receiving end of of you know him getting 90 or 20 odd balls but at the same time you know it was a great especially as a left-hander and quite a you know compact left-hander who could strike the ball it was a great learner for me just to you know have the best seat in the house to watch it and Although you don't want it to be against you and it costs us the game, you know, there was part of me as well that, you know, I wasn't in real admiring what he was doing and in awe of how well he struck the ball that day. So I think, yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent. Obviously, um, you know, he's only young, so I'm sure he's only going to go from strength to strength and get better. And we're going to see more of him around the world. That must be the great thing about playing the franchise cricket, playing and learning off these other international players. Are you hoping to go? back to these two places again next year? Yeah, definitely. Hopefully. Yeah, it's my first time at Jaffna, so hopefully be able to, you know, get an opportunity to go back there uh, if it, you know, it fits with the schedule and stuff like that. And, you know, I had a great time. It was great. Made some great mates. And, you know, obviously it was a lovely uh, franchise to be a part of. And same goes with the Bangor Tigers. You know, I've done, done a couple of seasons there now with them. And, you know, thankfully for them, they obviously retained me in, this year as well and showed showed some loyalty to that side which was really nice to to go back somewhere that you know you know the coaches you know I knew the owners and gives you a real sense of that you can you know you become part of a family I think you become part of a something you know it's not just you're putting a shirt on for for a period of time and then it's you know goes back into the garage you never see it again or you know it doesn't it just becomes 
it becomes part of you, I think, and it becomes a team that you actually really, you know, you support and you want to do well. And I think that's that's the great thing about, you know, hopefully doing well and also franchise cricket is if teams can build a team, you look at some really successful teams in, in franchise cricket, they've managed to build a, a real core squad, I think, of players who tend to stay around and take a look at Mumbai Indians. You know, their, their team's hard, bar the odd few changes here and there, it rarely changes that much. And they've got their, obviously, their core players who have to deliver time in, time out. Um, and that's, you know, part of a given of sport. You have to deliver your skill. Otherwise, you know, the ruthlessness of sport, you can't, you can't, you know, there'll be somebody else who will step in in front of you. But I think definitely if you can have a team that can deliver a skill and, and be gelled together and become good mates on and off the pitch, it definitely, uh, that team chemistry can help go a long way to winning a trophy. I think, I, you know, found that massively at Jaffna. Jaffna Stallions was, uh, you know, we had a great team chemistry from the word go and we really gelled as a bunch of lads and, and made some really great mates and, Everyone had time for for each other off the field, which was which was huge in a, in a in a tournament where it's so short to get to know people. I still keep in contact with some of the lads, um, even now. To, you know, even at this moment, still still messaging them, catching up how they're doing and stuff like that. So I think that's huge credit to how the franchise run their run their uh, tournament and run their their team. For I think what Harry Harry has a great affinity for. Jaffna, although you weren't playing in that area, he has an affinity for Jaffna. Um, and I think as a spectator, if we get the feeling that people are staying at the franchise, you have more of a, an allegiance to a team with similar players rather than too much change. Definitely, yeah. So. And also next year, you've got the 100 to look forward to because you're, you've been drafted into the Trent Rockets. So you, are you looking forward to that? Yeah, I can't wait. Obviously, it's going to be. Uh... There's been a lot of uh, talk around the 100 and I think, you know, it's something that we're really excited about and, and coming, you know, it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be a great tournament to be a part of some real high quality players in there and all the squads are, you know, look really strong and, you know, just to be in and around playing with the best uh, best and against the, some of the top players in the world. I think that's going to be a great challenge and something I'm ready to take on, I think, and see how we fare, you know, obviously get to hopefully keep against somebody like Rashid Khan and, um, you know, facing the likes of Jai Richardson at the moment, who's doing really well, obviously. Joffre Archer, who, you know, is one of our own, but, um, you know, get to face him is always always going to be a challenge. He's never never easy. So I think, yeah, you know, playing against those calibre of players is, uh, is going to be really great and look forward to it. Well, you've got Joe Root playing for you as well and Alex Hales. Yeah, exactly. We've got, obviously that experience in, in Alex and Joe who Alex knows knowing Trent Bridge inside out and scored thousands of runs there and taken down many of bowling attacks I think um, you know to have his experience at you know at the top of the order is going to be going to be brilliant and I think obviously Joe Root you can't you can't get a better rock in your team can you so I think having someone like him just to, as a sounding board for any player in any format, I think, you know, we're, we're so lucky to have someone like him. I think he'll just bring a real positive, calm mentality to the team. And I think everyone can just learn off him. And I'll certainly try and learn as much as I can off him whilst sharing a dressing room. And another person you've now got is your new coach, Andy Flower, who's very experienced at uh, franchise cricket as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously Andy's um, 
you know, a few of us have worked under Andy before, which is nice. So we know him as a coach. Obviously, he's got you know a good relationship with with most of the players, and um, yeah, you know, he's his record speaks for itself. And I think obviously he's been around the world a lot now, coaching different franchises. So to have his experience at Trent Rockets is is brilliant, and you know, will only add hopefully to to what we already have. And um, yeah, I think we all can't wait to get going and get together. Well, let's hope it's a big success both for the men and the women because I think it's very important now after uh, last season that the 100 is a success more than ever. And, of course, we've got coverage on BBC television as well. Yeah, definitely. Should be really good. Well, thanks very much for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. Uh, The best of luck for the new season, the best of luck in the 100 for the Trent Rockets. And thanks again to Harry, Harry Verheesen for the introduction as well. Yeah, exactly. thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Obviously, it's been great. And yeah, thanks to Harry as well. The great man. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.